I'd like for us to talk tonight briefly about what beliefs about Jesus really save and what beliefs about Jesus do not save. And to do this, we'll take a look at only three verses tonight. It's in John chapter 2, and we'll pick up where we left off last time. So that leaves us at verse 23, John chapter 2, verse 23. That's where we'll begin, and we'll examine this particular issue. In order to be saved, what is it one needs to believe about Jesus? Here's what it says in John chapter 2, verse 23. Now, when he, the he is Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover, that's not unusual, it's an important feast and holiday, and Jesus, as an observant Jew, went up to Jerusalem with his family to observe Passover. Well, during the feast, many, the text says, believed in his name, observing his signs, which he was doing. Uh, so he performed many signs and wonders, many miracles there that are not recorded here. We have in the Bible a record of approximately 35, 36 of the Lord's miracles, but he performed many more. We have a record of approximately 35 or 36. Others are not, for whatever reason, recorded for us. That seems to be the case here. He in Jerusalem during the feast, Passover, when many Jews would be gathered there, he performed many signs as a result of which many believed. And I suppose that's a good thing to believe in Jesus. But it may not be a really, really good thing depending on what it is they believed about him. These people certainly believed that he was a great healer. There was no doubt in their mind that he did things uh, ordinary people couldn't do or that wouldn't commonly take place. So for sure they knew he was a great healer, and yet we don't know for sure whether they believed that he was a great savior. At this point, we don't even know if they were looking for salvation or even thought they stood in need of salvation. And so it says in verse 24, but Jesus on his part was not entrusting himself to them for he knew all men and because he did not need anyone to testify concerning man for he himself knew what was in man. And so the Lord seems to be rather unaffected by the enthusiasm of those who are witnesses to his spectacular miracle-working power. And these were spectacular signs indeed. And yet the Lord seemed not to be, as I say, too enthused about their enthusiasm. The people were understandably affected by what they saw being done at his hands. And yet the text says he was not entrusting himself to them. So this is interesting. They believed in him, according to verse 23, but he was not believing in them, according to verse 24. Why not? Well, according to verse 25, it's because he knew what they were made of. He knew what their motive was. The text says he himself knew what was in man. So what was it exactly that he perceived that he knew to be in them that kept him from entrusting himself to them? Well, he knew they wanted his works, but I guess he also knew they really weren't interested in his words. They valued his works, 
but showed no indication of a willingness to submit to his words. And so he knew their enthusiasm, it was real, their enthusiasm for him was temporary. It was an excitement of a, of a temporary kind, and it was based upon their observation of his performance, what he did. That got them excited. Who he was, they probably didn't grasp that. He knew they stopped short of the miracles, and they didn't allow the miracle signs to be cues about who he really is, and that's what they were meant for. In fact, the word sign means a testing miracle. They were meant to attest to the fact that he was a supernatural being, in fact, the Son of God. He had power to perform miracles, and especially the grandest of all miracles, to make peace between God and man. And the miracles were meant to motivate, encourage, cue this thinking on their part, but the Lord knew it didn't. They stopped at the miracles. You see, that was uh, so uh, much a focus for them. They didn't think of the capacity he had and the willingness to forgive their sins. That was their number one problem, their sin problem, but they seemed perhaps to ignore that and instead camp out on his ability to perform miracles for them. But he was no mere miracle worker. He was Lord over the demons he cast out. He was Lord over the physical diseases he healed people of. He was Lord over the natural processes like wind and rain, which were at his beck and call. And he wanted his lordship in all those dimensions to spur up their interest in him invited to exercise his lordship over their lives. He came to be Lord, Savior of their lives. And he wanted his demonstration of supernatural power to stir them up and to envision the fact that he had the capacity to do for them what nobody else could do. But they stopped short in their beliefs about him. They believed as I said earlier, that he was a great healer, but they did not believe that he was a great Savior and Lord. And as a result, as someone has said, Jesus did not believe their believing. That's what it means when it says he didn't entrust himself to them. It's the same word as the word belief. Jesus did not believe they're believing. They made some sort of declaration, some sort of profession, but because he needed, he needed no one to tell him what was really going on in their lives, he knew, therefore he wasn't entrusting himself. to. They said, we believe in you. He said, yeah, but I don't believe in you. Yeah, that's what he, that's what he said. Why? Well, folks, it takes more than believing in the miracles of Jesus to be saved by Jesus. So seeing and believing what he has done is only a good start, a good beginning, meant to take us further into belief about who he essentially is. He is God, enfleshed. Merry Christmas. It's the Christmas event. That's who Jesus is. 
people in the video stated what they thought were complimentary things, but they're very disrespectful things if they fall short of who he really is. He's a good man. He's a good teacher, this, that, and the other thing. Oh, no, he's not a good man at all. If he claimed to be God and is not, he's not good. He's a liar. So let's just be honest here for crying out loud. He is God in flesh, who came to suffer and die for our sins, so that by faith, that's confidence, by faith placed in him, we might have forgiveness. That's who Jesus is. That's what he did. He did not believe the believing of a person who didn't believe in him as the mediator of that forgiveness. He didn't believe the believing of a person who refused to entrust himself to him as the only one who could provide forgiveness of sin. He understood human nature, and so the text says, again, in verse 25, he didn't need anyone to testify concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. He understood that some so-called faith in him is superficial and is not saving faith at all. I'm bringing this up not to shake anybody's faith, but I would feel terrible if you come to the end of the line one day and stand before the Lord Jesus and what you think is your saving faith falls short. I don't want to shake you up, but I, I do think it's a good opportunity to take inventory. We'll talk about it. Is your so-called faith saving faith? The Lord Jesus understood that though many were seeking after his works, they may not have been willing to submit to his word. He knew that many would follow him so long as he continued to perform miracles, but that these very ones perhaps would be ones who departed from him when he began to speak of service and suffering and self-sacrifice in his name. They believed his miracles were sensational, but they did not believe he had a right to rule over their lives. Therefore, as we Read in verse 24, he was not entrusting himself to them. Folks, if we only believe in Jesus for what he can do for us, he will not entrust himself to us. Now, don't misunderstand. I know that the Lord Jesus came to serve. And so we read this quite clearly in Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So it's clear that the Lord Jesus came to serve us by giving his life for us, but the real evidence of the fact that we have put our legitimate saving faith in him is that now we are living lives in service to him. That's the real test of regeneration. Has your life, my life changed? So in response to the way the Lord Jesus served me by suffering and dying for me, I'm now living a life of service. For him, Not to earn salvation, oh no, 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 but in response to it. Folks, if you're not seeing that responsiveness in your life, I think you have reason to doubt very much whether you've ever been saved. If you only believe in Jesus for what he can do for you, he may not believe your believing. You may not be saved. He doesn't owe us anything, folks. I know we're troubled by things that befall us as I would be premature death of loved ones, cancer, job layoffs, all kinds of things. I got it, I got it, I got it. 
But we're not in this for what Jesus does for us. We're in this because what he has done for us is meant to conjure up in us a sincere desire in saying thank you to him by giving, by going, by serving. If you're not seeing those inclinations in your life, you know, we heard of three people today who just felt moved, even at great personal risk, to share their enthusiasm about the Lord Jesus with those around them. To me, that is a mark of salvation. If you're not seeing those kinds of things in your life, yeah, I think there's reason for you to question, well, what is it that you really believe about Jesus? Some belief, folks, is not saving belief. And so to drive this point home, I want to share with you for the next few moments the beliefs of a number of different faith groups and even certain individuals. And I'd like for you to think as I share this, I'd like you to evaluate, are these beliefs adequate to save? Are these beliefs about Jesus adequate to save? So let's start with Hindus. Hindus believe that when Jesus was a teenager, he slipped away from his parents, journeyed across Southeast Asia, learned meditation, and returned home to become a guru among the Jews. Uh, is that belief, it's a belief in Jesus, would you say that, you don't have to answer out loud, you just wiggle your toes or something, uh, do you believe that belief is adequate to save? Is that belief saving belief? I mean, everyone says they believe in Jesus. Hindus have this belief about Jesus. Is that adequate to save? What about Buddhists? Buddhists believe that Jesus and Buddha are like brothers in that they both taught that the highest form of human understanding is universal love. So that's what Buddhists believe about Jesus. He was a teacher, as was Buddha, a proponent of universal love. Let's just love Let's just love one another. Is that an adequate saving belief about Jesus? What about Jews? Let's not let them off the hook. Many Jewish people believe that Jesus um, is a good teacher who performed good deeds, but he surely is not God. Do you think that belief in Jesus is adequate to save? What about Muslim people? Uh, they believe that Jesus, uh, and uh, Kathy did such a good job of, telling us a little bit about what Muslim people believe. Uh, they believe that Jesus is a great prophet, but he is superseded by the uh, chief prophet, Muhammad. He's the greatest of all prophets. Also, Jesus, Muslims believe, did not die literally on a cross. God took him directly to heaven. And, and, and as our sister said so clearly, and Muslim people believe it isn't by the finished work of Jesus that you're saved. It's by your good deeds outweighing your, your bad deeds, you see. So those are beliefs about Jesus, but are they adequate to save? What about members of the Baha'i faith? Have you heard about the Baha'i faith? It's kind of an Eastern eclectic religion. It was founded in Persia, modern-day Iran. Uh, members of the Baha'i faith believe that Jesus is a manifestation of God along with Muhammad, Buddha, Krishna, and Zoroaster, and also other uh, messengers of the great religions of the world. Baha'i faith is kind of anything goes. 
You want to believe in Jesus? That's cool. You can believe in Muhammad? That's cool. You can believe in Zoroaster? You know, they all stand for good things. You know, nobody has it all figured out. This one offers a little bit of this. That one offers a little bit of that. They're all equals. They're not categorically different whatsoever. That's what members of the Baha'i faith believe about Jesus. He's, he's simply one amongst many religious leaders. Sikhs, Sikhism, Sikh, S-I-K-H-S, Sikhs, uh, it's a religion originating in India, believe Jesus to be in the same category as Allah and Buddha. He is definitely not believed to be God who came in the form of man. New Age followers, that's a tough one to define, but New Age followers generally have a wide variety of beliefs about Jesus. Many speak of Jesus not as God in the flesh, but they speak of the, uh, the Christhood which we all can attain to. Jesus is not a person, he's a concept. And you can get in touch with, your, with the Christ in you by sort of, um, sort of uh, elevating yourself to a level of divinity and godliness. It is the spark of the divine in all of you. But Jesus is not a person who was enfleshed. You know, you, you Christians are wasting your time. This Christmas event where you celebrate God becoming man, that's not, that didn't happen. It's the Christ principle in you. But not, he's not a person. That's what New Agers believe about Jesus. Is that adequate to say? What about Jehovah's Witnesses? I realize I'm uh, offending pretty much just about everyone uh, here tonight. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus was a spirit creature who was created by God and uh, became Messiah at his baptism. Uh, and though he was a mighty man, uh, he is not God. Uh, only Jehovah God is God. Jesus is not God. Uh, therefore, uh, Jesus should not be worshipped nor prayed to. Now, you may say, well, good night. Doesn't this guy have better things to do. Why are you offending everyone? Folks, I'm not stating anything that these groups wouldn't state if they were honest. I've just extracted this from my study of all of these religious groups. I'm not making up anything over here. This is what they state, and I sort of feel like if you believe in something, it's fair game for us to talk about it. Now, is the Jehovah, Jehovah's Witness belief in Jesus? Do you believe what they believe is adequate to save? What about Christian scientists? Christian, by the way, it's neither Christian nor scientific. It's a misnomer, but you know, this organization called Christian Science, it has the belief that Jesus is not God. Again, he stands for good things and all the rest, but he's not God. What about the Unity School of Christianity? We have Unity churches in our area, in Houston and Clear Lake and all, all the rest. The Unity School of Christianity. Uh, it also believes that Jesus is, is surely not the only begotten son of God. He's a concept, he's a principle, or he's a good man, he meant well, you know, but he's not uniquely the son of God. What about Unitarian Universalists? They don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God sent to earth to save people. They don't. They have beliefs about him, but they do not believe he's the, he's the Savior who suffered and died on the cross for our sins. What about Mormon people? Uh, Mormon people believe that Lucifer is the brother of Jesus. Did you know that? Could I tell you something? Most Mormons don't know that. It's just like most Baptists don't know what they believe. I'm telling you, most Mormons don't believe that the, the theological leaders of Mormonism teach that Lucifer and Jesus are brothers. Also, Jesus, I don't know if you knew this, I'm glad you came here tonight so I could pass this on to you. Uh, Jesus got married at the wedding 
at Cana. Did you know that? We spoke about the wedding of Cana a few, few weeks ago here in John's Gospel. Apparently, I missed this. Wow, Jesus didn't just show up. Apparently, he got married then, according to Mormon teaching. I, I, you, you think I'm being critical. I'm not. I'm just stating you what Mormons teach and, and believe. This is, not, this is in the public domain. So Jesus is the brother of Lucifer, Mormons believe. Jesus got married at Cana. Uh, not only that, they believe he had many wives and many children. That's the teaching of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Do you believe those beliefs? are uh, adequate to save those beliefs about Jesus. What about members of the Unification Church? Do you know about this one? Reverend Moon Unification Church? They believe it's an error to think of Jesus as God because he is no different, really, than any other man. That's the Unification Church. What about... uh, Practitioners of Transcendental Meditation. You know about that? That used to be popular uh, when I was in college, you know, in 70s, 80s. Transcendental Meditation. You know, Rajneesh, this one, and Guru, that one. Transcendental Meditation. They believe that we are God, each of us, in the same sense that Jesus is, in the same sense. Uh, So they do not believe that Jesus ever died on the cross for our sins, We don't have sins. We don't need a Savior. He certainly is not the Savior. He is not uniquely God. You can be God too. That's the teaching of practitioners of transcendental meditation. Are those beliefs about Jesus adequate to save? What about Scientologists? Now, perhaps you're familiar with what's going on today. What's her name? Lisa Rimini or Rimini or something like that, the actress? She was a member of uh, Scientology for years, kind of an insider, and she has decided to go public in exposing what she has seen about Scientology. A lot of Hollywood people are into this. Tom Cruise, you know, he's a big Scientologist, this kind of... I started with a guy named L. Ron Hubbard, wrote a book called Dianetics, you know what I mean? And it's this massive... uh, organization today, Scientologists believe Jesus is only one of many good teachers, but he's definitely not God. In fact, Jesus is a, what they call a false memory implanted into humans as a result of the, I'm not making this up, Xenu space opera. Xenu space opera. I don't recommend you read Dianetics or Invest your life in studying Scientology, but if you did, you would find bizarre things like what I just told you. Jesus is a false memory implanted into humans as a result of the Xenu space opera. In other words, he's simply a figment of your imagination. Now, do you think those beliefs about Jesus are adequate to save? If you spoke to any of these people, they would tell you, oh, yes, Jesus, he's wonderful. And he was a good man, and I believe him. And you would go away saying, yay, that person is saved, like me. No, no, Jesus did not entrust himself even to those of whom the text says they believed in him. He didn't believe in them because their beliefs in him were not adequate to save. Now, those are organizations. What about individuals? Have you heard of a man called Thomas Jefferson? Thomas Jefferson did not believe Jesus was God. And he was so upset about the fact that some do that he created a new Bible called the Jefferson Bible. Did you know that? Thomas Jefferson created the Jefferson Bible, and this is how he did it. 
He included in his Bible only the ethical teachings of Jesus. So he took a Bible, the one we revere, 66 books, and he in essence took a pair of scissors and cut out from it only those verses which speak of the ethical teachings of Jesus. Be good to one another, love one another, forgive one another. And he pasted them in his own Bible. It's called the Jefferson Bible. But all those verses which declare the deity of Jesus, his Messiahship, that he's the Savior from sin, Thomas Jefferson was repulsed by all that and he decided they need to go. Were Thomas Jefferson's beliefs in Jesus adequate to save? You, I mean, you, you can decide that for yourself. What about John Lennon? You know about John Lennon. You know what he said? This is a direct quote from John Levin. Lennon. He said, I believe that what people call God is something in all of us. I believe that what Jesus and Muhammad and Buddha and all the rest said was right. Let's just lump it all in there, you know. Okay. How about the Dalai Lama? Every time the Dalai Lama comes to the United States, Hollywood movie stars fall at his feet for crying out loud. The Dalai Lama said, direct quote, Jesus Christ also lived previous lives. So you see, he reached a high state either at a, as a bodhisattva or an enlightened person through Buddhist practice or something like that. That's what he says. Then at a certain period, certain era, he appeared as a new master, and then because of circumstances, he taught certain views different from Buddhism, but he also taught the same religious values as I mentioned earlier. Be patient, tolerant, compassionate. This is, you see, the real message in order to become a better human being. Do you believe the Dalai Lama's beliefs about Jesus are adequate to save him? Come on. What about Brad Pitt? You know about him? Brad Pitt. Movie star, great actor, good-looking guy, lost as a goose. Got to pray for Brad Pitt. He said, I didn't understand this idea of a God who says you have to acknowledge me. You have to say that I'm the best, and then I'll give you eternal happiness. If you won't, then you don't get it. It seemed to, it seemed to me to be about ego. I can't see God operating from ego, so it made no sense to me. Totally rejected uh, the Jesus Christ uh, uh, and things about him, though he was raised in a Christian background. You know what I mean? So he has beliefs about Jesus. They're totally wrong, distorted, and inadequate. And therefore, his beliefs about Jesus surely can't say. What about Oprah Winfrey? Gifted. Oh, my goodness. Multi-talented. Um, attractive. Very congenial, warm, lost woman. Said, Jesus cannot be the only way to heaven. Why not? That's Oprah's belief. Jesus cannot be the only way to heaven. Is that belief adequate to save? I don't know. I mean, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. Notice the definite article. Not a way, not a truth. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. You get the discrepant... Do you, can Jesus entrust himself to Oprah's beliefs? Can Jesus believe in Oprah's beliefs when Oprah's beliefs are contrary to what he said? So it's real nice to be nice about Jesus. I'm sure she's, you know, I'm so happy about Jesus. But folks, niceness doesn't mean a doggone thing. If you reject the words of Christ, then the finished work of Christ is of no value to you or me. So I had nothing to do, so I went online and I decided to do a little research on what 
Ordinary, these are famous people, but what about ordinary people? What do they have to say in answer to the question, who is Jesus? Here's one response. If he existed, he's a nice guy, had a nice vision for humanity. It's a shame he's so horribly misquoted. Here's what someone else said in answer to the question, who is Jesus? As, a, as, mythical, as mythical figures go, I wish he would. I mean, so much harm has been done and is being done in his name. Someone else said, I'm not a believer myself. If he cared so much about us, then why is there so much suffering in the world? Another person said, I think he was probably a decent sort, a nice guy, had some good ideas and so on. But he was clueless about how the system worked and he got himself nailed up by annoying the wrong people. His followers were just as naive as he was, went into shock and imagined all kinds of things about how his death would mean saving others, etc. In time, the story grew just like vampire stories have recently grown. So that's someone's belief, sincerely felt belief about you. Is that belief adequate to save? And then this, this final perspective. I found this on the internet. Someone said this in answer to the question, who is Jesus? Here's this one. Jesus Christ was God incarnate. He is my Lord and Savior. Since his ascension, he has been seated at the right hand of God and daily intercedes for sinners such as I. What do you believe about what that person believes? Do you believe his belief is saving belief? Do you believe the Lord Jesus believes in that person's belief? Do you believe Jesus has entrusted himself to that person? Do you believe Jesus has entrusted himself to you? Do you believe Jesus believes in what you believe about him? Ask me. And I'll tell you, absolutely, no doubt, no doubt. This John, whose book we are painstakingly studying, wrote other stuff in the New Testament. In fact, he wrote this in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. This same John, whose gospel we're reading here, he wrote, These things I have written to you, who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. To believe in the name of the Son of God, let's not make it complicated, means to believe in who he is and to believe in what he has done. It is the idea of fully trusting someone. It is the idea of counting on someone. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who though he existed, forever in eternity past, at a certain time, entered our space-time dimension, born as a babe in Bethlehem, becoming enfleshed, so as to grow up, live an exemplary life, but then suffer and die on a cross in our place in order to provide total, undeserved, unconditional, and full atonement or covering for the sin debt we owe God and could never repay. And when he finished, he said, it is finished. 
Well, he didn't say, I am finished, because he wasn't. This Jesus rose up from death. He refused to let death have the last word. The last word is life, resurrection from death. And in so doing, he removed the sting of death for all others who put their confidence, their faith in him. And he said, if I have life, eternal life, you will too if you believe in me. To believe in the name of Jesus is not to believe he's a good teacher, he's a wonderful miracle worker, he meant well, he's one like Buddha, Allah, and all the rest. To believe in Jesus is to accept the fact that we are separated from a holy God and he is the only fit mediator between us and God because on the divine side, he's the son of God. And on the human side, thanks to Christmas, he's the son of man. Therefore, he can grab us by the hand and he can join our hand. He can put our hand into the hand of his father. He can bring us together because he's the perfect God, man. He is the only one who could substitute, be the substitute for our sin because he's the only one who committed none. He is sinless. Owing the father no debt of his own, he could pay in his sinless life the debt which we owe. No, Jesus is not just a mere good teacher. Those are a dime a dozen. He's no religious leader who fell short, who misread the signals, who upset the wrong people. He knew he came to die, and he died so that you and I could live contingent on our faith, on our accurate and precise beliefs in him. The only beliefs that can save are the beliefs in Jesus in light of who he is and what he has done. Listen to me. To believe in the name of Jesus simply means to accept who he is and to accept what he has done. I have to tell you, not all that looks like faith is faith that saves. But if you have entrusted your sins to the sin bearer, that's who he is, the Lord Jesus, believing in him to be your personal savior from personal sin, then he has entrusted himself to you and he wants you to know that you have eternal life. Now I want to close with this. Earlier on, we were told in verse 25 that Jesus knows what's in us. I got to tell you something that can make you really uncomfortable. He knows what's in us. He knows our inclinations, our motives, our values. He knows what we're thinking before we state our thoughts or even act on them. Folks, we couldn't tolerate each other for more than five minutes if we knew everything about us. I have to tell you, he does. Now, that can make you a little uncomfortable for crying out loud. To be known makes you vulnerable for crying out loud. You don't like that kind of awareness by Almighty. These are things you wouldn't publicly self-disclose about you for fear of rejection. And that's good thinking. But this Jesus says, I know everything about you. I know that all that's in you. So how does that make you feel? Well, listen, though he knows everything about us, he loves us. I don't get it. I'm telling you, if we knew things about one another, I don't think we'd go out to dinner. He knows everything about us, and yet he loves us. Jesus knows of all of our sins. He knows our plans to sin. 
even more. He knows about all of this kind of stuff. And yet if we accept the suffering and dying of Jesus for our sins, out of his love for us, he will forgive all our sins. He will entrust his nail-scarred body to us. He will say, this I offer for you. If you accept Jesus as personal Savior, you will always have someone who is willing to love you, though he knows absolutely everything about you. That is such overwhelmingly good news. I wish, don't you, that everybody worldwide had a chance to hear about it. And that's why I, we, during this season and all seasons, ought to really keep our eyes open for opportunities just as these three people did to tell people about the God who knows everything about you and who is willing to have you as his own and to love you anyway. Therefore, I yearn to tell people awkwardly, sometimes sheepishly still, I yearn to declare, let me tell you about the greatest thing that ever happened to me it is when I realized that God was willing to forgive all my sins through the death of his son Jesus on the cross in my place. Do you believe that kind of belief is saving belief? So do I. So do I. I must ask you, have you stated that kind of belief? doesn't have to be those words. That kind of belief to Almighty God. Could I ask you, we don't do this often, but just for privacy's sake, could you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a second? Whenever I think of Christmas, I think about how people are going to miss out on its real meaning if they're not saved, if they haven't accepted God's inexpressible gift of salvation. Therefore, just to be sure, just to be sure, Maybe you want to say to Almighty God, not to me, to Almighty God, this is in the words of your heart. Maybe you want to say, Oh God, in my sin, I'm separated from you. But you provided a way to overcome the separation, a way whereby instead of being at odds with you, I could be at peace with you. Jesus, your son, is the way. I believe that. No, not Buddha, not Mohammed, not Zoroaster, not any of these pretenders to the throne. Oh God, I believe that your son, Jesus, is the way by which I can come to be at peace with you. I accept you, Lord Jesus, as the mediator between me and Almighty God. I accept you as my sin bearer. I accept you as my Savior. Please, please, come into my life. Make it your abode. Change me from the inside out. Make me to be the person you want for me to be. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to suffer and die on a cross, even for one such as me. 
Help me to live for you, realizing now that you have first loved me. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge because you're so great, you know everything about me, and yet you still love me. Thank you for saving me, forgiving my sins, and inviting me to be part of your family. And so now your father, Lord Jesus, is my father. Thank you for the gift of the Christmas event. Thank you for giving me what I most stand in need of and which only you can provide. Thank you for making this upcoming Christmas season the most rich and joyous and precious I ever could imagine. We are together now and forevermore because of what you've done, Lord Jesus, to bridge the gap. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, 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 amen.